With the winter meetings wrapped up and the Rangers roster mostly in place, is this team as currently constructed good enough to contend for a playoff spot? I'm getting into all of that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked onto the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all four seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers and subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment any single thing below. Now, the Rangers made two very big moves in signing Jake DeGrom and also signing Andrew Heaney. There has not been a whole lot else going on. They lost a player to the Rule 5 draft. They also DFA'd a player, the final player in the U Darvish trade, AJ Alexi, to make room on the 40-man for Andrew Heaney. So the Rangers roster for now is set. I think there might be some moves coming. I would like to see some moves coming, but I also wanted to look at where this team is right now and how it stacks up with some of the other playoff teams and how they stack up even compared to last year. Let's take a look at a roster where they are establishing kind of a baseline. Last year, they finished with 94 losses, but I'm going with their Pythagorean record uh, according to baseball reference because I feel like that's more indicative of where this team is as of last year they had a pythagorean record of 77 wins and 85 losses so to get into the playoffs last year the worst team had a 86 and 76 record that was the tampa bay rays that's kind of about where the rangers are clawing for so they needed to add uh let's see let's do that math seven eight eight nine ish wins from nine wins Okay, yes, nine wins from where they were last year. Let's take a look at the biggest addition in Jacob deGrom. That is about a five-inch win player. I I think, let's just look at the roster and where it would be as of right now, the opening day uh, lineup. I think it would start with Marcus Simeon second, Corey Seager at short, Nathaniel Lowe at first base batting cleanup, and DHing Mitch Garver. In right field, Adolis Garcia hitting fifth. In hitting sixth at third is Josh Young. Jonah Heim catching, hitting seventh. In center field, Leody Tavares. And in the nine spot in left field is Bubba Thompson. The bench at this point, I think, would be Josh Smith, Mark Mathias, and Brad Miller. Maybe Sam Huff in there. I know I don't feel great about the, the Brad Miller edition, but... He's got a guaranteed contract next year, and as of this point, I haven't heard any rumblings about them moving on from him. I think eventually they probably will because he had such a terrible season. I think injuries play a little bit of a part to it as well. He had some stretches at the beginning of the year where he was pretty healthy and contributing, but I don't know how much I'm going to count on that for next year as a guy who is only getting older, going to be 32 next season. Did play in 81 games this year, but was just honestly pretty horrendous after a really good month of May for the rest of the season. Now, the starting rotation at this point, I think looks like this. Jacob deGrom, 
at number one, Martin Perez, number two, John Gray, Andrew Heaney, and Jake Odorizzi for some depth. You, you've got Dane Dunning there if you if you need it, but that's 17 names on this roster at this point, which leaves space for an eight-man bullpen, which I think I think is fine. I th- I think that's fine. Actually, that'd be nine. Okay, so let's put Sam Huff in there. Let's put Sam Huff on this roster because it's 26-man roster. My brain still isn't quite processing that that's how all this works um, coming off of the, this being the first, I think, second full season. I don't know. It hasn't been very long that there have been 26 as opposed to 25-man rosters. Anyway, that's an eight-man bullpen that looks like this. Jose Leclerc as your closer. Jonathan Hernandez and Brock Burke as kind of the setup guys. Taylor Hearn, Joe Barlow as kind of the next guys on the roster. Uh, on the bullpen, and the the bottom three is kind of filled out by Brett Martin, John John King, and Josh Spores. And as this stands, I think I, I think for the most part, it's it's a pretty decent roster. You look at all three of the main, all I guess four of the main components, and it's it's pretty good. The lineup, the top three is obviously really solid. That middle third of the lineup, I really really like. the The bottom third is, I think, fine. Jonah Heim, it, it depends on what kind of Jonah Heim we're getting. If we're getting first half pre-All-Star break Jonah Heim, that's a really, really good lineup, and he might end up hitting ahead of Josh Young for a little bit. Um, Leody Tavares, if he can just be average, I, I think I'd prefer him in kind of the number nine s- slot. But both of these guys, it, the eight and nine, the least offensive players on this Rangers starting lineup, I think both of them would be would be okay in in that kind of eight nine turning the lineup over, getting on base, causing havoc on the base pass, and if you you know start start your your inning with number nine and Leody or Bubba gets on base, and then you have Marcus Simeon batting with one of those guys that steals and gets to the runners in scoring position, um, that would be a, a really nice way to set up your lineup. I, I do think think that there could be Ezekiel Duran on this roster. I, I'm just projecting how I, I think it's going to start. Maybe Duran ends up winning the job out of camp, and the Rangers are like, okay, well, we don't really need to go get a left fielder because they're banking on him taking that job. Or if if I had my I, ideal, ideal scenario, I'd, I'd probably put... Josh Young either in left field and put Ezekiel Durant on this roster and start him every day at third base because I think he could be above average there at third base and that would give the Rangers a lot of value there and I think he can hit pretty well better than most of these bench options if not all of these bench options obviously he's got a little bit more in the tank offensively than Josh Smith having a Rangers roster where the backup middle infielder isn't just Charlie Culberson no disrespect to the man but having someone who's a little bit better I think offensively than him in Josh Smith is going to be a really, really nice upgrade to have. I really, really like Mark Mathias. I think the Rangers do too. And having him with his versatility of playing second, third, corner outfield, first base if they need him to, and providing a decent amount of offensive value for a guy coming off the bench had a really, really nice season. I think that is a good, good place to be. Now, the Sam Huff inclusion kind of depends on the health of Mitch Garver as do a lot of things and how he progresses. Maybe he doesn't make the opening day roster. Maybe that's, they get some other, I really don't like the idea of carrying just a, a third go getting, going and getting a backup catcher when theoretically your starting catcher should be Mitch Garver and Jonah Heim should be the backup. And if you are just getting a guy to be the backup to the backup because you're already banking on Garver not playing very much at all or just 
softening the workload on Jonah Heim, then that I think that's that's not great. But having those guys, those two guys split time, I think is the ideal scenario for the Rangers at catcher. Coming up, we're going to look at where the Rangers most need improvement and how they compare to some of the other teams that made the playoffs last year. But first, this episode is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we have got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We are always the fastest and easiest way to get in your betting fix. If you're wanting to make some bets on the Cowboys to finish out strong and, and catch the Eagles in that division, I think they've got lines for that. If you're just feeling good about how they're going to do next week or some other Dallas team, uh, I don't think they have a lot of baseball lines up right now, but I, I'm definitely I'm thinking this preview might give you a little bit of of a leaning as to where you should place your money. If you want to get your betting fix, it is the fastest and easiest way to get that in. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because bet online, it's where the game starts. Now, I think I've indicated this for a, a while, but it, it, it feels like left field is the biggest, easiest spot for the Rangers to go and get an upgrade there. There are quite a few really good options. I think they're pretty much out on any of these top guys at the top end of the market. Brandon Nimmo went back to the Mets, so that's not happening. Also, Kodai Senga signed a deal with the Mets. I've, I've heard a lot of questions about that for, I believe it was five years and averaging $15 million, so 75 maybe it was 85 I think it was $75 million, and why the Rangers couldn't do that. I don't think it's that the Rangers couldn't. I think it's just a Kodai, Kodai Senga preference he had said that he wants to pitch somewhere on a contender pretty much immediately and while i think the rangers as as currently constructed are, are definitely fighting for that wild card the mets are coming off a 100 win season they just added a whole whole bunch of talent spent a whole whole bunch of money um to to not bring back jacob de which i think is hilarious and whatever we'll get into that i'm sure a whole lot more during this offseason but i don't think it's the rangers couldn't i think it was just Senga wanted a team that was better at the moment than the Rangers. He's going to be 30 next year. Doesn't have a whole lot of time in Major League Baseball um, before the end of his pitching career. So he wanted to win as quickly as possible and totally get that. Totally respect that. (laughs) Would have really loved to see him here. But that's not happening for the Rangers. Anyway, left field is the is the basic obvious answer i think the rotation is pretty much set when you have dane dunning pushed out of the rotation and currently sitting at your number six starter maybe he could fight and 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 kick uh jake odorizzi out of the rotation but i i don't think at the moment that's really that's really going to happen but it's nice to have him there for depth he'll probably start the year in triple a once he gets fully healthy from that offseason hip surgery but the next place is is the bullpen obviously the starting rotation is fine. It would be there could there is a potential for a big upgrade in there. I would like for the Rangers to get a number a clear number two starter. If Martin Perez is exactly who he was last year, then that's solid. That is a number two starter you can feel good about, and that is a guy you can you know pitch with confidence in game two of a playoff series and say yeah yeah we feel good with this guy on the hill and we think he's going to go out there and kick butt and be consistent. I don't know if that's who he is. I think that would be great, but I don't know, and I don't think the Rangers do either. Otherwise, 
he wouldn't have he wouldn't have gotten the qualifying offer. He would have just signed a contract extension. If the Rangers thought this is exactly who he is, they would know better than I do, and they would know better than pretty much anyone else because they saw him every day. They you know they know exactly what he is. But I think that there is a potential for a another top end guy who is. I mean, the difference between the number one, two, and three starters. Are one and two is kind of the most fine for for me. A number, a true number one starter on a playoff team is an ace, a guy who is constantly finishing in the top five of Cy Young voting, and always you know going out there every day, giving you six plus innings, and a quality start is the baseline for what is expected of them. And a lot of times they'll go out seven innings and have those 10, 12 strikeout games where they pitch seven shutout innings and, and put up those crazy, insane numbers. But a number two, that's kind of harder to define. I think it's a guy who's upside. It's having those same kind of days more frequently, but when they get into trouble, usually they, they can't do it as well as, as the number ones. That's kind of what separates the number twos from the number threes. Number threes, they'll go out there and they'll have their pretty good days. They'll also have some blow-up starts where they'll go like five innings and give up five runs. But they'll they'll get you the five, but you won't always feel good about it. And they'll also have some days where they'll go out there and pitch seven shutout innings. You're like, okay, great, but it's not going to be a consistent thing. It's more just about the consistency, how often you're having good starts, and how often, how well are you able to pitch on days when your stuff is not there. So I, I think... That's kind of why I, I lean towards John Gray and Martin Perez both being both being number threes because, I mean, that's kind of what John Gray was last year. I mean, Martin Perez last year was a number two, and if he is that, again, that's who he is. But John Gray, he had that two-month stretch where he was fantastic and he was really darn good every time out, but you couldn't really count on that for the entire season long. He had a stretch where he missed uh, eight weeks, I think, also missed a decent chunk of time early on in the season. He had a few games where he did get blown up when he was not able to pitch through it quite as well when his stuff wasn't working. And so I think that's kind of where he is. But he's he's a pretty good number three. He has potential to be number two, but it's a lot of it feels like it centers around his health. Now, Jake Odorizzi, that's, that's a number five. He's going to get you four to five innings every time out and usually you'll you'll still be in you won't have too many just blow up starts where he goes two innings and gives up seven runs he'll have the occasional one but for the most part he'll be solid in that and Heaney I think kind of fits in that number four role where it's like it, it kind of reminds me of the Derek Holland that's that's who I think of as a number four starter on a a playoff caliber team guys who once every like seven, eight, ten starts, they'll have just an absolutely phenomenal outing. Like like think of, of Derek Holland in that World Series game game four, I think it was. Maybe it was game three, where he just went out and threw eight and a third shutout innings, just absolutely dominated the Cardinals. It was just so incredibly good. One of the best games that honestly any Rangers pitcher has ever pitched. But for those other times, he'll have a lot of blow-up starts. He'll, he'll not be able to go consistently six-ish innings. He'll have a lot more of those blow-up starts than he will of the good starts. And he'll have a lot of mediocre starts where he goes like five and gives up two or three. And you're like, okay, that's fine. You kept us in it. You, you did okay. But you weren't – you'll always be longing for that seventh, eighth start where he just absolutely – dominate so I, I think the Rangers kind of have 
that sort of ideal. And a lot of it depends around that ideal playoff-ish rotation. I mean, actually, an ideal one. You just have have two two aces, and then your third pitcher is a number two, and you don't even have a number five in your rotation. That's the ideal. That That's not what the Rangers have. But they do have four solid starters and a fifth guy who is going to be pretty decent as well. And I, I think that's the bare minimum for what you want as a starting rotation. And then they also have a backup number five in Dane Dunning. So I, I like that. But the bullpen... We'll get into a little bit of the bullpen and kind of take a look at these other these other teams and where the Rangers stack up with them. But first, this episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. At Locked On Rangers, we believe home security should be you home is where you and your family should feel safest, especially over the holidays. This season, give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system. It's Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering Locked On Rangers listeners 40% off a new security system. But don't put this off. Here is why you'll love it. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get a higher priority police response. Don't miss your chance to save big on my favorite security system. Get 40% off any new system at simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB today. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. There's no safe like simply safe now let's take a look at the rangers competition for this number three wild card spot i think number one wild card spot is probably going to go to the mariners or the blue jays i think it's, i'm leaning more towards the mariners because it felt like they were a lot more aggressive this offseason um, them and the blue jays i believe had a pretty similar record the blue jays were 92 win team the mariners were a 90 win team i think the regression or the positive regression or whatever of the mariners having luis castillo for an entire season as opposed to just half a season is going to be really darn good they have a bunch of young starters who are just getting better in logan gilbert and george kirby they also have some young stars like uh cal raleigh is pretty darn young they also have julio rodriguez obviously they lost mitch hanniger but they replaced him with teoscar hernandez who i think is going to be really darn good not sure what they're going to do in left field since they traded jesse winker but they got a big upgrade in colton wong at second base so i I think this team is is pretty set and pretty darn good to go eugenio suarez had a fantastic year year last year so i think this is still a 90-ish win team I'm hoping that they push the the Astros for the AL West, but I'm not sure they're quite there yet. They've got a really darn good bullpen, and I just don't think that the Rangers, as currently constructed, or really, unless they get a lot of help, I don't think they're... I think the rotation at the back end is, is kind of close. The top end, obviously, the Rangers have the best starter in the American League and all of baseball, but once you get to two through four, I think the Mariners are a little bit deeper. Their bullpen is a little bit deeper. Their lineup, I think the Rangers are are kind of a push. I think the Rangers have better top-end talent at the top of their lineup than the Mariners do. But when you get to depth in the 7, 8, 9 spots, I think the Mariners might have just a little bit of an edge there. Let's look at the Blue Jays, who made some interesting moves this offseason. They still have a really, really solid rotation with Alec Manoa, Kevin Gossman, Jose Brios, who had a really terrible year, but I still think is a really good pitcher. 
their bullpen is really hit and miss. Jordan Romano, David Phelps, um, and and Tim Miza were were all pretty darn good for them last year. As was Adam Simber. Their lineup, obviously, at the top end is just fantastic. They have Matt Chapman, who was hitting like seventh for them last year, which is kind of insane. But they also have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. George Springer. It's just a really, really good lineup, and and also Bo Bichette as well. And also Alejandro Kirk, who was really darn good last year as well. A lot of catching depth for them. I think the Rangers aren't quite as good as them. I, I didn't love them trading Teoscar Hernandez for a reliever, even if he has been pretty good this year. I just I didn't really get it, and I thought they should have kept him, but that's neither here nor there. I think the Rangers are still a little bit behind them. Now let's look at the next competition, the third spot in this wild card this season. It was the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, pitching staff-wise, well, not a whole lot of people are competing with this Rays staff. They have Shane McClanahan at the top of their staff, and uh, he's as close to, I think, just about anyone in the American League for challenging Jacob deGrom for being the best starter. He also had some injuries this year, only pitched 166 innings, did make 28 starts, but the Rays are very, very careful with their starting pitchers. They also had Corey Kluver, who I think is still a, is still a free agent, hasn't signed anywhere yet. They also had Drew Rasmussen and former Ranger great Jeffrey Springs, who were both really solid. Both of those last two guys had a sub three ERA and started 28 and 30 and, uh, 25 games respectively through 135 and 146 innings. But again, the Rays are always going to be really great at developing pitching. If you look at their lineup, their, their bullpen, obviously it's a Rays bullpen. It's really darn good. It's it's going to be really good next year. You're not going to know anybody in it, but they're still going to be absolutely fantastic no matter who they lost. But their offense was was honestly terrible last year. It was just straight-up terrible. Yanni Diaz was their best hitter, and I don't think it was particularly close. He had an 824 OPS. Nobody else in their entire team had an 800-plus OPS. Not a whole lot of their starters even had a 700-plus OPS. Harold Reynolds was fine for them as a DH. Manuel Margot was okay. Randy Rosarena had a 773 OPS season with 20 bombs, led their team. Um, as well as Isaac Paredes. But Wander Franco was was hurt for most of the season, an 83-game span where he was pretty good, but his replacement, Taylor Walls, was just horrible offensively. I think their offense will get just a little bit better next year, just some regression to the mean. They've got some good players. They did lose Kevin Kiermeyer, so I'm curious as to how they're going to fill that spot in the outfield. But I, I, think, I think their offense being so bad, it's not going to be good next year. I don't think it's, it'll be this terrible. They just have too many guys that are talented. Um, Brandon Lau is is pretty darn talented. Diaz is fine. Rosarena had a fine season. Margot was fine. And just adding adding Franco back, I, I think, will be a huge, huge boom for them. But still, I think the Rangers have a significantly better lineup than them. Starting pitching-wise and, and bullpen, well, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to give the, the edge to the Rays. But I think the Rangers' edge offensively, is going to be a lot bigger over the Rays than the Rays' edge pitching-wise over the Rangers, if that makes any sense. So I think I think that's where the Rangers are, are going to pass. If they're going to pass a team, it's going to be a team like this. The Red Sox lost Sander Bogart, so I'm not really counting them in the mix for any of this. Maybe there'll be some regression from the Yankees, and it'll be... 
It'll be the Blue Jays that are winning it all. But let's look at some of the other competition that I think will be pretty close to where the Rangers are next year. It'll be the White Sox, who have a really, really good team that is just constantly underperformed. And I think not having that fossil of a man managing them next year will inject some new life into this team. Tim Anderson is a really good player. They lost Jose Abreu because they just decided not to pay him. Yasmani Grandal was one of the worst hitters in baseball this past year. I don't think that's going to continue. I really don't. Yohan Moncada also had a just terrible season. Luis Robert had a really bad season for him. Um, I think they bounce back just a little bit. Maybe they sign Elvis to play third. He had a really nice stint while he was with them and hit for, well, more power in, in that sample size than he had pretty much ever in his career. Nine home runs in 43 games. I don't know if they'll necessarily bring him back, but I, I think it would definitely be a nice look for them and maybe move him to second base. The top of their rotation is fantastic in Dillis but their number two, Lucas Giolito, had a honestly terrible year. Their bullpen was was really hit and miss. Liam Hendricks and Reynaldo Lopez were, were really darn good in the back end. Um, Kendall Graveman was pretty solid, but outside of that, there was a lot of of poor relievers for them. The back end of the rotation had some had some moments. Johnny Cueto really, really did well for them when they desperately needed it. Uh, Lance Lynn was hurt last year and only pitched in 21 games, 121 innings, and a 399 ERA. Michael Kopech was solid, made 25 starts, but only pitched 119 innings. He was one of the guys who I was thinking of when I think of White Sox starters who rack up Ks like crazy, but don't necessarily pitch super deep into games. So I, I think there'll be some progression from them. But I don't think I don't think the the Rangers are going to finish behind the White Sox or with a worse record than the White Sox or just in general be a worse team than the White Sox next year, which is a darn shame because a lot of those really, really good players who deserve to be on a good team. And they should have been one of the more aggressive teams in free agency. They probably should bring back Carlos Rodon, but their ownership isn't going to spend money, and that's a shame, but, you know, sucks to be a poor team. Glad the Rangers aren't, and I'm very, very glad the Rangers are. But I think the next competition that the Rangers will be fighting with is is the Baltimore Orioles, who had a really, really scrappy and fun season this year, handed the Rangers a sweep. I think the most one of the more brutal series that I've watched of Rangers baseball, a Three straight losses, three straight one-run losses where the Rangers had leads in all of them was just honestly miserable. And that's what in the middle of their, what, 17 or it felt like 30-game winning streak. I think it ended up being around 18 or 19, but they were a really, really scrappy, fun, young team. They will be getting back their best pitcher who missed most of last season in uh, Means. I think it's John Means. Uh, yeah. And they also had Deaton Kramer, who was pretty solid. Jordan Lyles was their innings innings eater. Uh, they have a bunch of young talent that is coming. They have a bunch of young talent that is there. One of those guys is Gunnar Henderson, who had a really solid 34-game sample size when he came up towards the end of the year. Adley Rutschman finished in second in Rookie of the Year voting. Could have won it in a normal year. Had a fantastic season. 
800 plus OPS as a catcher who is a defensive wizard. They had Cedric Mullins being pretty good, Jorge Mateo being pretty darn good, Ryan Mountcastle and Anthony Santander all contributing, as well as Austin Hayes offensively. Like they're they're a solid team. I think they're going to give a lot of people a lot of problems next year. And had they been aggressive in free agency, and you know, I they have more than enough room on their payroll to go and sign Carlos Rodon to the kind of deal that he's looking for six years, somewhere in the $200 million range, and also sign Carlos Correa for a crap ton of money to go be a star, capital S star. We saw how much they loved him in Minnesota, and I think that would have been a really, really smart move because their payroll is just so insanely low and then make room for some of their top-end prospects that are still coming up and still going to contribute in a big way next year. I don't think they're going to do that, which is a darn shame, but I still think they're going to be scrappy. I don't think they're quite good enough next year to to win a wild-card spot. I think the Rangers will have a better record than them. They did finish with a winning record this year, which is great. 83 wins in a very, very tough division is really, really impressive and a testament to how well they have built their team and turned around that rebuild really, really quickly. The Rangers hoping to rebuild even quicker and end their drought faster than the Baltimore Orioles and their playoff drought. But all in all, I think the Rangers are at present an 85-ish win team. I think that should be good enough for them to contend for the playoffs, if not make a playoff spot. I, I think there are right now, well... It doesn't really matter about the Central. Whoever wins the Central is going to have like an 85-win season and be like just fine and just good enough to win that division. But I think right now the Astros are categorically ahead of the Rangers. I think the Mariners are also significantly ahead of the Rangers. The Blue Jays as well. But, and the Yankees probably too. I, I can't tell what the Yankees are going to do. Honestly, no idea just such a mystery. I predicted them to finish last in the division last year and <laughs> look how that turned out. But I think this Rangers team is in there in that kind of next tier with the Rays and the White Sox and the Orioles and whoever else is kind of in that range. Maybe they'll even finish with a better record than the Blue Jays because they decided to trade off some pieces. I don't think so. I think that Blue Jays team is, is really darn solid. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had a bad year, still had an eight, 20-ish OPS, which is insane. But I do think that this team is good enough to compete for a playoff spot if they want to pretty much guarantee themselves, put themselves into the next tier. I think adding a top-end starting pitcher and adding a really darn good left fielder is a great way to add that value and maybe one bullpen piece. I'll get into a little bit closer of a look at the bullpen later this week and also a look at what happens if Jacob deGrom is healthy and how that changes absolutely everything but that's going to do it for this edition of locked on rangers thank you all so much for listening and subscribing and until next time don't forget to enjoy baseball